This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Good morning, everybody. All right, let's start this morning with our Scripture memory passage review. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, 21, 22, 23. Has anybody got it today? Nothing? Nothing, Darla? You just mailed it in. So Rhonda Rousey gets beat and you just give up, right? That's it? That's the... That was too much for you last night? Is that... <laughs> all right, I got one. Anybody else? Yeah, one. All right, Miss Amy, it's all you. Christ is risen from the dead. He is. From the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, yes. by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Yes. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order. She's going for all four. Christ the first fruits. Afterwards, those will follow the sleep. Nice. Well done. Four. Thank you. There you go. Okay, cool. All right, so uh, this is week four of part four of Grudem's Systematic Theology. So we've looked at uh, several different things in the doctrine of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Um, if you're wondering when the Holy Spirit's going to happen, it's next week. So. That's when it's, it's a really, really big chapter, so I'm, I'm already kind of uh, figuring out how I want to approach that. So today is the offices of Christ. So let's talk about what an office is for just a minute. Uh, an office is something that you serve in. It's some type of a title that you have. It's some type of a, uh, a job or a function. Uh, and Grudem talks about the, here's your first blank, there were three major offices of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. So what were they? What were the three major offices? Prophet, priest, and king, right? So let's talk about who the prophets were. So give me an example of a prophet. Moses was a prophet, yes. Any other prophets? Hosea was a prophet. Yeah, you pretty much pick anybody, like... In that last chunk of the Old Testament, those are some of the prophets. But there were prophets before that period as well. So you got lots and lots of prophets. Uh, what did the prophets do? What was the prophets' job? Yeah, they spoke on behalf of God and they spoke truth about God. Uh, so that's your next blank, actually. The Old Testament prophets spoke God's words to the people. So that's what the prophets did. Um, so then you have the priests. So who were the priests? Give me an example of a priest. Aaron was a priest, yes. Right? Was he a good priest or a bad priest? Or kind of depends, right? Yeah? Which is really the answer about us, right? So are we good? Are we bad? Mm, bad, yeah. Depends on who you're comparing to, right? What's that? Depends on the day. Depends on the day, absolutely. So there were lots and lots of priests in the Old Testament. What was the priest's job? Yeah, they, they offered up things, right? Their job was to offer sacrifices, to offer uh, praise, to offer lots of different things to represent the people before God. So it was all about that offering and that representation. And then you have the kings. So who were the kings in the Old Testament? David, Solomon, Saul. Lots of, lots of different kings. Were they all good? No. Were they all bad? No. 
So they're kind of like us, right? Were there any good priests? Yeah. Were there any bad priests? Yeah. And like the bad ones got dealt with in really scary, uh, like sketchy kind of ways sometimes. You look at it and you go, wow, I didn't know that you, that was even a possibility. It's good to know that that's in God's option book there, right? All these different ways to deal with things. So, so Grudem's going to talk today, uh, or in chapter 29, about how Christ fulfills these three different offices. And when I get to the end of the lesson, I'm going to spend three or four minutes telling the whole story of man and I had never heard it told like this before. So the more you, you ask me questions as we go through, the more the very end will make sense. So fire away as we go through. So let's talk about Christ as prophet. So the first blank under A is the Old Testament prophets spoke God's word to the people. So Deuteronomy 18, 15, 16, 17, and 18. And Josh is sitting on go. He's ready. He's been waiting for like three minutes to read this. It was highlighted, yes. Yeah. So the highlighted are where we're going to go. I'm going to really try to get to them today. So let's go for it. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. So who's speaking? We got to speak. Who's speaking? So we're in Deuteronomy, so there's only one person speaking, really. Moses is speaking, right? Deuteronomy is just a whole bunch of Moses' sermons. So. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all. How many people are we talking about? How many, how, many, how many prophets are we talking about? What are the articles? One. Now, where does Moses happen in the timeline of history? Like, pretty, pretty early, right? He's, he's pretty early on. Those prophets in the last part of the Old Testament are all after Moses. So he's talking about one specific prophet that's coming. Okay, let's keep going. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly. So Horeb is a mountain. Saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore, or I will die. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well, and I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen. How many prophets? A, a prophet, okay. Among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So would anybody like to guess who we might be talking about here? We're talking about Jesus, yes, right? So, so Jesus is the prophet, right? So now as we go through the New Testament, there are a lot of people that come up to Jesus and go, are you a prophet? Are you one of the prophets? And then there are a few people that say, he is the prophet that was prophesied about from Moses. So there are, there are actually several different people. I've got listed in my copy of my notes, uh, I would say 15 different passages where somebody refers to Jesus and says, well, he's a prophet. Of, uh, he's either the prophet or one of the prophets. So there were a lot of people that thought this as he was going around doing his thing. Um, Jesus actually, he, he does appear to call himself a prophet a couple of times, but it's not really the thing that, that he talks about himself the most as. So your next blank is many thought Jesus was the prophet including Peter in Acts chapter 3. So, he's got Acts chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. So where are we quoting? Deuteronomy. We're quoting Deuteronomy, yes. So I love that Luke picks up, Luke's the author of Acts, right? Luke picks up on the book that Jesus quotes the most from, which is 
Deuteronomy, a lot, and we're, we're piggybacking here, so start over again. I've, I've messed you up. I'm sorry. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. So that's where you want me to go. What's the next verse say? You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. There we go. All right. I should have included one more verse. So Peter connects the Old Testament prophecy. This is kind of odd. The Old Testament prophecy about the prophet to the prophet, Jesus. So Peter draws that distinction and draws that connection. So the prophet. All right. So... Here's a quote from Grudem. Although Jesus is the prophet whom Moses predicted, yet he is also far greater than any of the Old Testament prophets in two ways. So Luke 24, 27. Luke 24, 27. Now you guys have heard me say this before, but if there, if there was one scene in all of the Bible I wish I could have physically watched and been a part of, this is the one. Because I think it would have been the greatest history lesson ever told. So, what we got, Ms. Amy? In beginning at Moses, all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So this is Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples, and in this space of a few miles, he explains the whole Old Testament. <laughs> I wish somebody had written him down. <laughs> right? It's like, where's that letter? <laughs> Man, the Word explains the Word about the Word. Word. <laughs> that was good. We didn't even practice that. That was good. Um, I, I just, I can't imagine, right? So all of the Old Testament points to Jesus, and Jesus knew this, and he explained this. So, so Grudem's point here, number one, is that he is the one. It's not Neo. He is the one about whom the prophecies in the Old Testament were made. Just like that, got in the matrix. Number two, Jesus was not merely a messenger of revelation from God, like all the other prophets. He himself was the source of revelation from God. He is the manifestation of the message. He is the message. He is the good news. Everybody else was talking about the good news. He talked about the good news, and he was the good news. Whole different level of prophet here. Whole different level. Um, there were several times that you know, the prophets would say, the Lord says to tell you this. And Jesus shows up and he says, I say to you. The, the prophets in the Old Testament didn't say, I say. They said, thus saith the Lord. I am speaking on behalf of another. Jesus didn't have to speak on behalf of another. He was the other. <laughs> he is God whole different level of prophet here. So that's Christ as prophet. B is Christ as priest. So in the Old Testament, the priests were appointed by God to offer sacrifices. So the prophets spoke, the priests offered. They offered sacrifices, they offered prayers, they offered praise, um, all of this stuff. And, and again, I think last week I mentioned if you wanted to know more about these specific, uh, specific functions of Jesus, Hebrews is just a fantastic book read, to read on this. So we're going to so flip to Hebrews 10. I'll give you next blank. 
Uh, number one there under B, Jesus offered a perfect sacrifice for sin. A perfect sacrifice for sin. So Hebrews 10.4. Stephen, you got it? For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It is, right? Because for one, that's just kind of weird, but... Um, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So why did all those bulls and goats have to die in the Old Testament? Old Testament says what? Why did all the bulls and goats have to die in the Old Testament then? It's a foreshadowing, right? This is in the movie that you're watching, and you wonder, why did the camera focus on that for just a second? What's up with that? Because they're about to explain it later on in the movie. Right? God's telling a story, a massively large story. The blood of the bulls and goats is the beginning of the real sacrifice. So what was the sacrifice that Jesus offered? Himself, Himself right? There's no better sacrifice. So Hebrews 9, 24, 25, and 26. So let's pause there for just a second. The holy places made with hands, which are what? Copies of the truth. Copies of the truth. Now, so what are we talking about? We're talking about the holy of holies inside the what? Inside the temple. And who got to walk in there? The high priest. How often? Once a year. year. And what happened if he messed up? Yeah, they drug him out. Okay? So very, very serious stuff. And, and the author of Hebrews calls that place a what? A copy. A copy. A copy. Feels like the original is going to be really a holy place. Right? So that not just anybody can walk in and offer a sacrifice. So, so the Old Testament sacrificial system was a copy that was a foreshadow. So when Jesus showed up, we would go... Oh, that's what all that's about. Okay, let's keep going. But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So where does he put it? Away. Do I have to worry about it if he's put it away? I got a feeling when Jesus puts something away, he puts it away. That we're done with that. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It's dealt with. And how many times did he do it? Once. Once. So not an every year thing, but once. So he was the perfect sacrifice for sin. And then number two, Jesus continually brings us near to God. So Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. So what was barring, what was barring the outside of the Holy of Holies and the inside of the Holy of Holies? What was it between those two places? You remember? The veil. The veil right? And this was not a, I don't, I don't have any in here anymore. Um, 
I think when we first moved into this campus, there were these, you know those really flimsy uh, blinds that used to be up here? This was not a, a curtain that you th throw back and, oh, this is simple. And if you go back and you read in the Old Testament about how the veil was built, it was layer and layer and layer and layer and layer of animal skins. So it's not, this would be the equivalent of taking four or five Kevlar vests and saying, yeah, let's just rip those in half. You're, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And what, what was one of the things that happened when Jesus died on the cross? The veil was torn in two. From where? From the top. Now, the, the top of it was tall. A man couldn't reach up and just do that. It was too tall. So why did it start at the top? Because God did it. And, and the direct, these little bitty details are really important because this is God saying, I am tearing this sacrificial system and putting it away because Jesus has offered a perfect sacrifice and has walked into the true holy of holies in heaven and has sacrificed once and for all. So let's start that verse again. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of Who the can enter? Jesus. We. <clears throat> now this is different. Because there was never a scenario in the Old Testament where an average Levite or an average Israelite got to walk off into the Holy of Holies. Or an average Gentile. Or an average Gentile, right? You just didn't get to go there. Uh, at Jesus' time, there was a court around the temple. And there was a court of uh, women. The women were out there. there was, I'm, which one was out, outer? Was it Gentile or women? Somebody help me. Gentile was outer, right? It was the court of the Gentile. So that's where we could go. This was far away. Then there was the court of the women, and only Israeli women could go there. And then inside was the... Yeah, the men, right? And then inside that was a smaller area where Levites could go. And then in the Holy of Holies was the high priest. So you had these layers of you're excluded, you're excluded, you're excluded, you're excluded, and one person can get in. And Jesus comes and he offers his sacrifice, and then who can go in? We. We. Gentiles allowed. Welcome here. Come in. Because the whole Old Testament sacrificial system was no Gentiles. If you're not an Israeli, you don't belong. If you think about the, the prophets of the Old Testament, who did they go to? What country did the prophets go to? Israel. They were sent to Israel to say, come back to God. Jonah was the first missionary in the Old Testament. He went to somewhere outside of Israel. We have one of those. One in the Old Testament. The model in the Old Testament was people of Israel come back to God. People of Israel come back to God. The model in the New Testament is Jesus has opened the Holy of Holies to anyone. It's beautiful. Completely different model. Did we read all the verses? No? Let's keep going. <laughs> Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. 
For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So that sprinkling kind of sounds odd, right? Because we don't sprinkle things with blood, right? When was the last time anybody sprinkled something with blood? If you raise your hand right now, that's kind of weird, so just to let you know. Um, so, so one of the, what's, yeah, by accident, right? How's that work? All right. Mm. All right. Uh, sprinkling with blood. I'm, I'm way off now. Okay. How exactly did that happen, Sean? Yeah, stop it, stop it. La, 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 la. Oh, stop it. Oh, mm. Is the room spinning for anybody else? I don't know. It is for me. All right, so the priest, the high priest, would go in and he would offer a sacrifice. And there was a place where he would take the blood of bulls and goats and sprinkle that on this place. And that was the acceptable offering. And then they would go in and they would clean, they would wash afterward. Otherwise, you just got like blood everywhere for all time, and that's just not going to work well, right? So there's a sprinkling, and then there's a washing, which is why in that verse, there's a sprinkling and then a washing, because that's the order in which things actually occurred. So Jesus continually brings us near to God. Number three, Jesus as priest continually prays for us. Continually prays for us. So Hebrews 7.25, have we been in Hebrews a little bit? Yes, just a little bit. Hebrews 7.25. He always lives to make intercession for them. So what is intercession? It's like a fancy church word. That like, What's that mean? Yeah, it's, it's standing in the gap. This person that, that takes something or someone's requests and represents them to someone else. So um, if you ever get to go to court, your lawyer acts as an intercessor for you with the judge, if they are a good lawyer. (laughs) If they're a bad lawyer, they let you stand and be convicted of whatever, right? So you need somebody that can speak the language that is respected, that has the position and the right and the authority to have this conversation. And that's what Jesus does for us. He goes to the Father, and He intercedes. He brings our requests on behalf of himself, because he loves us. And the Father listens, and it is spectacularly beautiful. So we have this intercessory relationship, right? So what's your next verse? 1 Timothy 2.5. So it's interesting to think about um, who would be qualified to do this, right? Because you've got to have a man do it to be able to represent humanity. But only God can stand in front of God and request God to do something. So you've got to have a man to represent, and you've got to have a God to have the authority. Check. <laughs> Which is really cool how he set it up that way, so that Jesus is the answer. So 1 Timothy 2.5, what you got? For there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. How many mediators? One. One. How many prophets are we talking about that was coming? One. Oh, okay. I see a pattern here. Yes. Okay. This is going to be the same number when we get to the king. I'll give you a hit, a tip, okay? All right. He is uniquely qualified to do this. All right, so Christ 
as king. So in the Old Testament, the king has the authority to rule over the nation of Israel. To rule over the nation of Israel. Matthew 2.2. What story is being told in Matthew 2? The birth of Jesus. And when He shows up, what did they call Him? God with us. What was one of His titles that He had? The, the Messiah. The, I think I said... The King of the Jews, right? And the only challenge here is that who's born king? You're, born, you're born a prince and then you ascend to the throne and that's fine. And He's born king. And Herod had a problem with this, right? Yeah, so Herod does what everybody who's in power does when they have a problem with somebody who threatens their power, they start to kill children. Right? We see this pattern over and over and over and over again in all of history, and it is terrifying. So that's the Matthew 2 2. John 6 15. What's John 6 15 say? Sure. Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king. That's an odd statement, isn't it? It's like, I know that you're about to go try to make me king. So he does what any good ruler would do. He immediately accepts and ascends to the throne, right? It says he withdrew again to, Maine, to the mountain by himself. All right, so let's just play this through for a second. So, Matt. You perceive that we are going to rally together today and be fanatical about electing you president. And, and we have the resources to do it, right? Let's just scenario, we have the resources to do it. And you know we can pull it off. And your first answer is, nope, going to go out the back door and be by myself. What, are, what is 99.9% .9 of the humanity going to do? Yeah. I'll be king. Absolutely. The power. See, the interesting thing is, I wonder sometimes how much this uh, appealed to Christ. He spoke the universe into existence. Right? So, I got something bigger coming. He's going to be patient, right? Because it wasn't his time yet. But the time is coming. So he was born king. They wanted to make him king, but that wasn't what his first visit to earth was about. His first visit to earth was about setting all of that up. So, you see section D? This is what I'm excited about. This is neat stuff. All right, you ready? Here we go. So if we look back, here's a quote from Grudem. If we look back at the situation of Adam before the fall, these roles of prophet, priest, and king had parallels, score one for a math word, in the experience that God originally intended for man and will be fulfilled in our lives in heaven. All right, do you see there are little bitty blanks after each one of those small statements? We're going to put emojis in those. Yes, that's exactly what I was looking for. That's awesome. Cool. Somebody's excited about the emojis. Emojis are the smiley faces or the frowny faces. Okay? Theology through emojis. Here you go, Albert. You ready? I'm going to take like, the smartest theologian on the planet, Grudem, and 
Text messages. <laughs> I love it. The stuff that pops into my head. So y'all get what's been filtered, right? <laughs> I run some of this stuff by Julie sometimes, and she's like, no, you cannot do that. That is not okay. That is not okay. All right, so in the Garden of Eden, so in the Garden of Eden, before the fall, what do you think we're going to get? Smiley face, yes, absolutely. So let's talk about prophet, priest, and king before the fall. The easy one here is king, because God gave Adam and Eve rule over the earth, right? You are in charge. You dominate it. You rule, oh, you govern it, right? Pretty easy to see. What did we talk about the job of a priest was? The job of a priest was to offer up sacrifice or praise to God to represent someone, right? So they offered up through the living of their perfect life praise to God. I thought, wow, that's kind of neat. I didn't think about that before. Cool. Prophet. What did the prophet do? The prophet spoke truth about God. So when Adam and Eve had conversations about God before the fall, what kind of conversations were those? They were truthful, right? Yeah. So there is some element. I'm not saying the full fledged prophet, priest, and king. There's some element of, what's our word, Dollar? Foreshadowing. There's foreshadowing before the fall to Jesus. All right, so remember this, because we're going to get back to this at the end of things. So this is before. The fall happens, right? What's the next little section say in your notes there? After sin entered the world. After sin entered the world. Frowny face, yes, right? You following along, Albert? You got it? All right. Sin enters the world. And, and what happens when sin enters the world? Well, we no longer function as prophets because what we say about God is now damaged and misunderstood. And we certainly can't represent ourselves before God. So this concept of a priest, I, I certainly can't do that. And, and kingship over the earth, yes, we still have dominion, but the earth now is fighting back with weeds. Y'all ever played with weeds? Oh, weeds, right? And animals who now war against each other and against man. I still can't wrap my head around how you could have just walked up to a lion and been like, come here. Just, yeah, yeah, it just kind of wigs me out a little bit, right? And uh, I, I, I don't have time to go there. All right. But there was a partial recovery. So Jesus, God in his wisdom, sees this fall and he puts in place these offices. So a partial recovery. So I'm going to say, I don't know what the term is, but the, the flat face. You know, like the dot and the nose and the, the f- straight face? Yes. Carrie's Ke- making it right there. That was it. <laughs> now I've got her tickled. That's right. So God establishes the office, offices of prophet, priest, and king. But, but did from time to time ungodly men have these offices? Yeah, absolutely, right? So we had... We had true prophets that spoke truth about God, but we also had what? Literally, they're called false prophets, right? So we have, they're not living up. We had good priests who represented God. We had false priests who God dealt with in very severe and swift ways. And we had great kings who followed after God. And we had horrible kings that did whatever they wanted to do. So we have this uh, mixed type of emotion. And then Christ comes. What do we think? When Christ comes, help me out, ladies. When Christ comes, smiles. Yes, there we go. 
And Jesus fulfills these three roles. It's what we just talked about this morning, the perfect prophet, the perfect high priest, the true and rightful king of the universe. All right, so we as Christians now, smile. We can imitate Christ in these roles. When we share the gospel and say, Jesus Christ is the good news. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is the perfect priest. He is the perfect king. We, in some small ways, act as prophets in that we are telling truth about God. Does this make sense? You with me? Yeah? Okay. What about priests? i got a verse for you here. 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9, actually. First. Living stones are being built up. Who's being talked to here? Peter's writing to who? Church. The church. Yes. So this is us, right? This is us. So you also is what? Living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual A holy what? Priesthood. A holy priesthood. We are a holy priesthood. Bam. I want the robes. Right? I wonder if some of my brethren in other denominations have it right, because they have some pretty cool robes. Maybe so, maybe not, but pretty cool robe. A royal priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you see what Peter's doing here? Peter is connecting our work right now to the work in the Old Testament of the priest. He's continually pointing, but it's got to go through Jesus. If it doesn't go through Jesus, if it just comes straight to us, whoop, whoop, the story breaks. It's got to go through Christ. Just keep going. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy Did he say it again? Twice. So maybe we pay attention to that. A holy nation. Who's in? Everybody. Who's in, Stephen? Gentiles are in. We are Israelites. So we have dual citizenship. Because we got grafted in to the nation of Israel. It's amazing stuff. Truly, I I think he gets to this later on when we talk about the church. He gets to this, so we will cover this late summer 2016. So if you have questions, hang on until then. (laughs) Was that the end of it? No. No, there's there's more. That's better. Yes. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Beautiful stuff. Absolutely beautiful stuff. The Romans verse says basically the exact same thing, in case you didn't take Peter's word for it. Uh, Pretty much the same thing. So, we're priests. And Ephesians 2.6, I didn't have you go there, but this is where Christ has seated us in the heavenly places. It's a present tense. We are there. This is weird, hard to wrap your head around. But we're there right now. Those that are in Christ are already seated with Christ in the heavenly places and have this type of authority over things. So let's think about something. When, when I am commanded by the Scripture to say, uh, devil, flee, what does the devil have to do? Who gave me the authority to do that? Jesus, Jesus did, right? Which is pretty stinking cool because that's awesome. So I have some ruling ability through Christ, through His rulership over the entire universe. So we have a little bit of this now. So last thing here. When Christ returns and rules. Okay. Don't just draw a smiley face here. This is the big one. This is like 60 point font. Okay. Really big smiley face at this point. 
over the new heavens and earth, we will once again be true prophets because our knowledge will then be perfect and we shall know as we are known. We will be priests forever for we will eternally worship and offer prayer to God as we behold His face and dwell in His presence. Revelation 22. Guess who has access to God then? We do. That's some amazing stuff to think about. The master and maker of the universe, we will have access to him. Revelation 22, 3 and 4. You got it? There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. So you better be okay with tattoos. Because you're going to have one on your forehead. I want to make a Mike Tyson joke right here so bad, but I don't know where to go with it. I have no idea where to go with it. All right, I'll leave that alone. And <laughs> so Revelation 22.5, keep going. I love the pronoun here, so I hope your translation has the pronoun right. There shall be no right there, no night there, excuse me, that they need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Ah, good. And who shall reign? They. Now, how do we sing the song? We say, He shall, and He will, absolutely. But who reigns with Him? We do. We do. Prophets, priests, and kings. Still in a subservient position to that of Jesus Christ, because He is the complete, true, and better prophet, priest, and king. But we have a foreshadowing of it in the garden, a broken version after sin, God puts in these offices to point toward Christ in the Old Testament. Jesus comes and fulfills them to a certain point while He's on earth. We get to participate in this more now. But when He comes back, it will be made right. So that is the prophet, priest, and king offices that Jesus Christ holds. Was that cool or what? I thought that was amazing stuff. I've been probably two and a half weeks now. Like, November 15th is coming. I've been excited about this one. Cool. So next week is the work of the Holy Spirit. So we will look at that. We will close up uh, the doctrine of Christ and the Holy Spirit, and then we will move uh, to a different study in December, uh, and we'll go from there. So at your tables, there's a piece of paper. It says weekly update on it. So if you will lean in, engage, pray over those requests, write down any new re requests that you have. There's two sections on there for requests. The top section for requests is just something for this week or the next two weeks or so. That bottom section is something that you want to see on the right-hand side in the coming weeks. <clears throat> Make sure your name's at the bottom. Pray as a table, and you are dismissed. Thank you for coming to Sunday school today. Whoops, one more. What was the last blank? Did I leave a blank out? <coughs> I left a blank out. <laughs> Subordinate. Subordinate, yes, for you blank fillers. Subordinate prophets, priests, and kings. Sorry. See? Limited role. Limited role, right? <laughs> That's right.